0: We're kind of confirming a couple of things here this morning. Um, you know, we're in a very emotional bunch of people. Not specifically our church, but just human beings in general. And I find it um, interesting how we we go through good days and bad days and go up and down hills when we're um, struggling with life and... Um, as I looked at the scripture today, specifically um, looking at Leviticus, uh, I kept trying to imagine what it must have been like for Aaron uh, as he was looking at his family and uh, some of the experiences. Now, last week we looked at Leviticus chapter 8. Uh, we also looked some in Peter and some in Hebrews. Just at the role of of a priest in in the scriptures this week we 're going to continue on and move into a little bit more uh, of a more detailed view of things. But last week we looked in chapter eight and we noticed that a priest in the Old Testament um, went through a process, and even in the ordination of these people, we saw that um, uh, Aaron and his sons were cleansed with water and clothed and then anointed and then consecrated. And it was a process through throughout chapter 8 to 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 look at what it was to prepare a person to be classified as a priest. I just mentioned something about the the, the personalities and how our emotions get into our life and I was trying to imagine what it was like for Aaron during those days. And so if you look at chapter 8, you see this. And in chapter 9, uh, we we find a little bit more detail. And again, I'm trying to think through what it was like for Aaron as a father. He has been ordained. He's been chosen by God. He's been anointed and consecrated. And his whole life is, is being changed. And the, the lives of his children... Because um, we see that it's a a family experience in what we're looking at here. But when we look at the Old Testament, the descriptions for clarity, for some of the expectations of what God had for the Hebrew people uh, prior to Christ, we learn the values of God. While Christ came bringing a new covenant and relationship that takes us beyond the simple rules and regulations of the Old Testament, there's still a lot that we can find in the Old Testament that helps us to understand God's values. What were the standards of God? You know, one way to understand the standards of God, of course, the easy one for most of us, we think about Exodus chapter 20, where we look at the Ten Commandments. And that tells us a lot about who God was and His thinking. And as we remember very quickly, as we think about the Ten Commandments, it says no other gods before me. So it means not money, not success, not values of this world, saying that priority there. No images, no graven images. Again, most Protestant churches kind of look on the walls and it's kind of sad. We don't have a lot of uh, uh, art deco or any kind of art of any of any form. Uh, because of a fear and a concern that we would be in any way confusing our people to think that worshiping any kind of uh a, a, an idol could occur. Uh It's very interesting that in some places and in, in different parts of the world, you find little uh statues around. Uh, and then I've been even in churches where they had a place for little statues all the way around, and they had taken them down because they didn't want people to get confused and began to worship something that was created by man. Respecting of God's name. You know, the Scripture talks about, don't use God's name in vain. Use it with purpose. Use it with intent. I fear all too often in our churches, we use God's name in vain, not in a cursing way, but just without adequate respect for what we're saying. We throw it out so lightly That it's certainly inadequate in respect. Keeping the Sabbath day. Honoring fathers and mothers. Do not kill. Do not commit adultery. Stealing. False testimony. Coveting the things of others. You can look in Exodus chapter 20. Today's sermon is not about chapter 20 of Exodus. But it does tell us a lot about God's values. In chapter 9 of Leviticus, once you kind of think through that Exodus chapter 20 values were all within Aaron, all within his sons. Those values and morals impacted how they viewed life and how they were going to do their job. Their job was that of being a priest, to be a mediator between the people of Israel and God. They were there for a purpose to rebuild and to hold that relationship together. They offered sacrifices in order to be sure there was a healthy relationship between man and God. Chapter 9 of Leviticus, we can see a little bit more dealing with some things of uh, offerings that were given. and This kind of thing. I keep reflecting on Job personally when I think about different kinds of offerings. Because when we look at Job, again, this thing about personality, getting up in the morning and saying, life's good or life's bad. In his case, I've thought so many times what it must have been like for Job. He gets up in the morning, the sun's out, life is good. He goes, he, he, may, he gives an offering and does a worship time before the Lord. For his family, just saying, because I fear maybe they accidentally committed a sin. So he's, he's, he's all focused on God. The sun is out. Everything is wonderful. And then some people began to come into the house and say, catastrophe of catastrophes. All that you have had, your sons, your daughters, your life, your everything is going to be turned upside down because people have died. Your family has died. This day that started out great emotionally, happy as could be, suddenly turned into catastrophic things in his life. Many of us go through experiences like that. The Hebrew priest had a responsibility for somehow trying to help people who were somewhat a bit disconnected from God at times to be able to pull it back together. So they used this offering approach. And there were basically five offerings, that the main five offerings they were primarily responsible for. And you can see on the screen the burnt offering, the grain offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, the guilt offering. Different kinds of ways of trying to rebuild that relationship with God. And so the priest had a a significant... Role of being a mediator. But then we see something. So, up to chapter 8 and chapter 9, we see Aaron and family getting ready for their task, doing their task, beginning to really build who they were going to be as priests. And then we look at chapter 10 of Leviticus. And chapter 10 of Leviticus changes everything, it's very different. And again, help us to think through that emotional switch that goes off and on. For Aaron gets up in the morning and he says to himself, Today is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad. He's ready to go after it. I've tried to understand this. You know, as you think about the priest, to be a priest, it must have been a great privilege. You know, in a sense, the priests had a pretty good life. They did their, their, their job. They had nice clothing, had a place to live. Food was brought in and they got a percentage of any offering that was brought in. So they didn't have to go out and, and earn money in an outside a, a way. They were able to focus on God. They received, you know, a pretty, pretty decent kind of lifestyle. But yet in chapter 10, the first few verses, we find that there is a risk involved in taking the job. So chapter 10 shows us that the two eldest sons, Nadab and Abihu, were struck down for their cavalier attitude of being a priest. Fire came from heaven and killed them both for providing strange and inappropriate fire themselves in their worship. They had worship rules and regulations that they were to live by. We don't know all the details of this story. There is some reference in here to drinking and the idea that that certainly by the time the brothers took up the role of becoming priests, they were warned not to drink. So it gives the idea that possibly the part of the problem for this first two was that they had gotten themselves drunk and taken some actions and done some things that they should not have done. We don't know the exact detail, but it does say that whatever they did was inappropriate. It was done in a way that was that they were not supposed to do things. These were privileged men who had accompanied Moses and their father as they went to Mount Sinai, where they participated in the covenant meal with God in Exodus 24. But God had expectations for a priest. And these two guys somehow, because we can see they were both killed, apparently both being responsible for the decisions they had made, somehow had made a decision. And the decision was a wrong decision in how they were handling their worship of God. The challenge to you and me is, worshiping God is sometimes too lightly taken. When we gather together here as brothers and sisters in a family, we have come to approach the Creator God of this universe. That is not a light experience. That is a heavy, it's a serious responsibility. We are privileged. Praise God, we can do this. But even as we see in the scripture, these apparently, these two, began to treat it a little too lightly and thought, well, okay, let's do this. Let's try that. Let's work at it this way. And God said, I have given you the rules for what you should do, and you're not respecting that you've been chosen. I would say to you and say to me, especially if we are saying, based on what we looked at last week in Scripture, that all of us are priests. I happen to be the one standing up here preaching today, but I'm just like you. I'm a priest in the sense that I relate to the Lord, not because I stand here. You and I all have the same responsibility. We have to treat our relationship with God more seriously. More earnestly, more honestly, more faithfully. Because we can see God is watching. God knows our hearts. He saw the heart of people who had been called out by Him not being serious enough. Some of us last week were very happy when we recognized oh, this is good. I need to be more thankful. I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, I'm a disciple. I'm a brother, I'm a sister, I'm also a priest. Well, good for you, good for me. But as we look, we have to recognize that being a priest has responsibilities that go with it. Are we ever presumptuous in our attitude toward our faith or serving our Father? A priest can pray directly to God. But there are responsibilities within that prayer because, for example, even as we look at the prayer of Christ in the early verses or the early chapters of Matthew, we see Him praying, modeling for us a prayer that says, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He dared to pray, I'm willing to do whatever you want. He modeled for us, the will of God is more important than my will. Don't pray it unless you're willing to do it. These priests somehow knew what the structure was, knew what the responsibility was, and yet there was a weakness somewhere within their character that let them fail. Because otherwise God would not have rained down fire to kill them. He did that saying, you are not worthy. Brothers and sisters, I don't know how you feel. I already know I'm not worthy. That I'm clear on. But that's where the blood of Jesus gets into the game. Through Christ's blood, the sacrifice of my high priest, I'm able to serve. And the same for you. Leviticus 10.3 Aaron remained silent upon the death of his sons. If you look at the book of Leviticus chapter 10, we're not going to read that. I thought we were going to do that, but. If you'll look at chapter 10 of the book of Leviticus, which I happen to know you have a Bible not too far from where you're sitting. uh, Like under under the... Yeah, right there. Aaron remained silent. He learned that these two sons had had fire come down and kill them because of their attitude. And when he learned that, of course, his natural response he wanted to, 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 to do something. And yet, the Scripture says, Aaron remained silent. He did not complain to God. Aaron knew who God was. He hoped his sons knew who God was as the Creator God. And yet, they had obviously not grasped the seriousness of what it is to be a priest. Last week, we noticed that we are priests. That's the praise God moment. This week, we're looking at some of the responsibilities and realizing to be chosen to become a Christian. You've been selected. God has reached out and impacted your lives for a purpose. For a purpose. And that is what Aaron understood. He understood even though he was inside his heart struggling Then it goes on in chapter uh, chapter 10, verse 6. Moses commanded that there would be no mourning by Aaron, for God's actions were righteous. Reminding him, Aaron, I understand you, but you do not need to mourn. Because indeed, what God did was fair. It was honest. It was who He was. He is the Creator God. He is the perfect One. And your sons... Have acted in an inappropriate manner. Instructed by Moses on how to eat the grain, uh, grain offering and some other things, Eleazar and Ethamar made yet more mistakes. These were the other two brothers of Aaron who were in the, in the wings, so to speak. So as soon as the first two were, out came number, number three and number four. To step into the role of being a priest because being a priest in those days was very much a, a family kind of experience in that that whole family had its hand uh, uh, they were under the hand of God and Moses became angry as he noticed that these guys had taken the offering and then eaten it in the wrong place done some things that were inappropriate as well but this time Aaron came to him quickly and he said, Moses, look, we need to talk So you've got to understand, we're struggling as a family right now. We're human beings. My family, we just had two of my sons killed by God because of of doing things inappropriately and not respectfully. I know these two guys are making mistakes as well. But please, help us. Give us some grace. Moses heard the plea. And he forgave them. He said, I understand the confusion of the day. I understand your problem. I understand your struggle. And I understand your other sons being a little bit too uh, uh, blurry in their decision making. Aaron's family of priests, Adab and Abihu, were punished, for, uh, punished with death for their disrespect. Edehazard and Ithamar Were became actually functioned as replacement priests, but it's interesting to me in that the replacement of the first two didn't take a long time. I think you and I need to learn something from there, lest you or I ever think we are that valuable and cannot be replaced. We are wrong. They were replaced quickly. And we too can be replaced. I can't help but think that Christians often take God for granted in how we treat Him. In our expectations of Him. Our society says to us that we deserve the good life. But I have a feeling God's definition of the good life and what man says in society is the good life are not the same. We dare to ask God some things. But do we dare to ask what God wants from us? Do we get to the point that, our, uh, that we call ourselves priests without responsibility? Is that fair? We, even when we come together in our worship services, we have to recognize this is a serious time. It's a joyful time. I always struggle within myself. There's a part of me that says I want to be the happiest human being God placed on this earth. I want to be a joyful, positive individual. At the exact same time, I do not want to be irresponsible or or overly flighty in my attitude toward the life that God has given me. Because I look at people and when I see this particular story of Nadab and Abihu. And I see what happened with them. As they began to treat God too lightly, punishment can come. I'm not fearful of the punishment as, as much as I am the fact that God would not be satisfied with me. How do we find that balance of joy? There is a joy in our walk with Christ that should be in every one of our hearts. But at the same time, we have to recognize God created us to be His witnesses as we live in a lost world. We all want our friends to accept Christ as Savior and Lord, but we should never be guilty of selling cheap grace just to make ourselves feel happy or successful. As we, see, as we look at Nadab and Abihu, they somehow began to become too, too familiar with the Creator God. I don't know how you are with that, but I, even then I struggle with. You know, even recently we had a visit from Dr. George Wilson. Dr. George Wilson's 88 years old. He came here. I've known him for many, many years. There's a part of me that every time I meet him, I want to call him Dr. Wilson. There's a part of me because of his love and care and his, I, I, I also want to call him George. There are all of those Different ways of addressing Him kind of express my relationship to Him. I've heard many of you talking about auntie so-and-so or uncle so-and-so within our own congregation. It's a way of expressing your relationship. But yet, the truth is, some of us in different environments call the same person different things. Because in that environment, you want to give them adequate respect. This was part of the problem that Adab and Abihu were struggling with. How do you get close to God and still respect Him appropriately? So what is the difference between a Hebrew priest and ourselves? What do we do as New Testament priests? The Old Testament and the New Testament priesthood understanding, there are some basic differences. Jesus is now the eternal high priest and he is the focus of all things related to the priesthood. The Old Testament er, er, Aaronic <coughs> priesthood is a thing of the past uh, as sacrifices are no longer required because Christ is the high priest. This is Galatians 3. The point being, change has occurred. The high priest has changed. It's no longer Aaron. The high priest is one that will be the high priest for eternity. And that one being Christ. As we look at some of the definitions, we have to recognize what a priest was. Old Testament priest. When we look at the Old Testament, we see it was based on birth. What family you were born into. The blood of that family. who, who Who the lineage was. So it's one of the reasons that we saw two brothers who were killed by fire as God's punishment replaced immediately with two other brothers. It was, it, you had to be within a certain circle. In the same way for the New Testament, we are based on our family. Because once we become a Christian, we become a part of the family of God. And it's Jesus' blood that has allowed us to be family. People that look different, act different, come from different cultures, and yet within family do we serve. So it's only by birth, that you're allowed to become a priest. You don't choose to become a priest and say, hey, I think I'll be a priest. Now, it's very interesting for me because, of course, I've been working in that other big country on the other side of the world that I refuse to mention today because it keeps offending some people that all my references are to that place. (coughs) But in that other place around on the other side of the world, that starts with a C, they have seminaries. And in that seminary, I remember one of the things I found was very fascinating. If you graduate from that school, you are now eligible to become a minister. You've gotten the magic credentials. To complete your education means you've finished what you need to finish. But if you talk to some of the people who are students in that school, they'll let you know very quickly. Some of their classmates are not Christians. And yet their goal, as they're looking for rice to eat in their little bowl, is to go ahead and become a minister because that's a job. It's a job that pays, and it's something they can move forward with. So it makes it very hard to determine who is a true follower of Jesus and serving with a call on their lives. According to the Scripture, it's by blood, it's by birth, it's by family. It's not by man's choice. It's by the choice of God choosing to use us. Another difference was we look at the Old Testament and the New Testament or another comparison. Old Testament priests, were, they, their location of service was determined, and they didn't move around a lot. If you were assigned to Jerusalem, you had made it. You had made it to the big city. For a lot of people in the United States, that might be the Big Apple. People headed to New York. That's where they dream of going to work because the salaries are great. Well, in the same way, uh, the, the location. If you were put in a small city, you're probably going to be in that small city a long time. You didn't move around to different places as you, were, as you were serving. And in a similar way today, as we look at the role of who we are as priests, the difference is ours is not based on geography. Again, ours is based on being a part of the body of Christ. We serve the spiritual temple of God. Our goal is in serving the spiritual temple of God is to reach out wherever we go to be His tool. Another thing we look at in the Old Testament, we see that it was always guided. The priests were guided by a high priest. Well, no, that's where Aaron's role was to guide even his own children. And yet, that guidance didn't always go as well as one might think. But the nice thing is in the New Testament, what you and I hear of from the Christian priesthood is to be a Christian priest, being you and me, we only have one high priest. It wouldn't matter how many pastors you hire to work here. The pastors are never your priests. There's only one priest, and that's Jesus. He's the high priest. We are the other priests. We're the priests that work under His guidance, under His leadership. He is the high priest. Hebrews 4, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted, as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Our high priest is Christ. Another comparison as we look and we we consider the the, uh, born-again Christians as part of the priesthood, number two, that's number three, that's okay where we're going, that's fine. We can remember when Moses was expected to lead the people. And he had the job. God gave him the responsibility. And yet he said, but I can't talk very well. I don't think I'm the right person. I think you need to get somebody. And ultimately, God gave him Aaron to come to the forefront to help. We know that he went up to the to Mount Sinai. He went and he worshiped. And he attained the Ten Commandments and he came down and he found a golden calf being worshipped that had uh, come into play while he was gone. From that point, Moses was hungry for God. Up until then, Moses' desire to really be used, he was kind of wavering in what all it was going to be to fully serve in all that he was. But he became a, an anxious mediator from that point on as a leader. He became a true priest in the sense that He did whatever was necessary as He tore up the calf. I mean, as the calf was taken down. As He began to stand up and say, to lead requires me making hard decisions. Making decisions that may not make everybody happy immediately, but are truly righteous decisions. If you are a priest today in this room, you will not always make everyone happy. You will not always do things that this world understands. There are going to be times when you're going to stand up in the name of Christ in front of people knowing that there's going to be rejection. And yet we must. If we're going to be the salt and the light that we must be as Christian priests, we must be bold. Scripture says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of the Lord, To present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. And be not fashioned according to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We all know that Roman scripture. As we look at number three. Sacrifices pleasing to God. We've already said that the priest's role was to be a mediator, to be one that provided sacrifices. But as you and I function in our sacrificial role, we have to consider what it is. And I don't think it's, a, it's going to be a little disappointing. It's not a list of one, two, three, four, what you have to do. But if we look at Scripture, we can find the answer. The Scripture says that the Christian's entire life is his sacrifice. As we read in Romans 12, Paul reviewed or or viewed his own evangelistic work as a sacrifice. With the Philippians church, his testimony of joy and was a focus in sacrifice was his sacrifice. And he was a risk taker in all things, even to the point that he was put in prison. So we can see some things there that describe what it is. How much of a risk taker are you? Are you willing to receive challenges in the name of Jesus? Hebrews 13, I think, clarifies for us. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Now listen for the sacrifices and the, and the commitment in the contribution of what you and I must do do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unaware remember those who are in prison for though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you are all uh, since you also are in the body let marriage Be held in honor among all. And let the marriage bed be undefiled for God. will judge the sexual immorality and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money. And be content with what you have. For He has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse or strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. Then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. Do not neglect and do good Uh, see, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. Pray. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you to more earnestly do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. If you want to know what are the sacrifices, read this Scripture. What are the things, what are the spiritual sacrifices that a priest is to be about? Unlike the Old Testament, God is chosen in Christ to forget our sins and not merely forgive them. What will we do with the knowledge that we have of this? Hebrews 10, 11 says, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away any sins. This is talking about Old Testament. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a, footstand, a footstool uh, for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us For uh, after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them Uh, after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them in their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Father God, as we come today to challenge ourselves in our role as priests, we ask that you would help us to recognize that our lives are the sacrifice. It's not something that we should be giving sections of who we are back to you. It's it's the reality that all we are is yours. Father, we would ask that we would find joy in returning ourselves, returning our time, returning our hearts, returning our values, our goals, all back to You. And Father, we would ask that as we do that, You would bless us and use us, that we might see miracles happen in Your name.